Hey everybody, welcome to Pin and Paper People, a podcast about the games we play, the people who make them, and the things we can learn by thinking about design in different ways. My name's Nevin, I use he, him pronouns, and today I am joined by the absolutely fantastic J-Dragon creator of Sleep Away, Wander Home, uh, Esoteric, and a whole slew of other fantastic, fantastic games. Uh, Jay, why don't you say hi and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jay Dragon. Uh, feel free to ask me my pronouns. Uh, and I am a award-winning queer lyrical uh, RPG designer. Um, I uh, write games about uh, community, um, finding what's important to the world, recovering from trauma, and uh, connecting with people in moments that might be fleeting. And they're all good, and they they hit real hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, have been called prolific, which I do take as a compliment. <laughs> prolific and award winning. You've got you've got the gamut now. You're good. Uh, yeah. You're good to go. I'm I'm annual award winning, and I'm I've got my sights set on those two IGDN Indie Groundbreaker nominations. So, gonna get them. You're gonna get them. Um, so today we're actually going to be talking about Wander Home, which is a to put it lightly, a bit of a unique game uh, in the space and in the formats that it uses. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Wanderhome? Like, give us the elevator pitch, and also it's coming to Kickstarter soon after we record this. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Wanderhome is a game built on the No Dice, No Masters engine, oftentimes uh, conflated with belonging outside belonging. Uh, it is a game, uh, is a pastoral fantasy game about traveling animal folk and the way they change over the seasons and the friends they make along the way. Um, it is uh, GM agnostic. Uh, it is sort of a a weird, interesting, me kind of combining, synthesizing a ton of different conceptual things and also making a game about taking care of each other and traveling through a world at a slower pace. It's based on, um, aesthetically, it's very based on Brian Jacques and Christopher Denise, but it's sort of, its heart can be found in like Moomin Valley and uh, in, um, goodness gracious, uh, in like sort of, I I like to joke the more peaceful parts of the Miyazaki movies, like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service um, or uh, The Wind Rises. Extremely good. All all very, very good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm very, very excited to talk about Wanderhome. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's actually talk about game design sort of in a more general sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know a little bit about how you got into game design and like what your roots are. But why don't you tell our listeners a bit about that? Yeah. So I started designing games in 2011 as a wonderful little 14 year old um, working for a uh, live action role play summer camp. Uh, I ran my first adventure game uh, in 2011 uh, for more than 50 people and with a full team of support, which is, and like a production budget, which is a wild thing for a 14 year old to do. Um, I spent the next uh, five or so years uh, running games that scale uh, getting sort of broken in on like very free form, very large scale uh, live action role play, and then I I found um, I I a friend of mine assumed assuming that I had played Dungeons and Dragons before invited me to play Dungeons and Dragons uh, fourth edition. I played a couple games. I found Monster Hearts. I played Monster Hearts. 
Um, and I never really looked back. Uh, for the past uh, two years, I've been designing um, RPGs. In the past year, I've really been it's, I've been really dedicated to it. Um, I released Sleepaway last year, almost to you know, like, like almost exactly last year, um, which was my first uh, large scale Kickstarter, um, and that. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good game. I, I've been told it's pretty good. Um, and I've gotten, and sort of that was sort of the, the moment where I, I, people began noticing me. And so that's kind of my, uh, my arc as a designer, I'd say. Um, I've kind of Your always origin been, story. Yeah, I've, I've kind of always been working with ritual and uh, kind of building worlds that aren't so much concerned with immersiveness as they are with like sensation. Um, and it's been interesting taking that philosophy that I learned from a decade writing live action role play games for teenagers and applying that to tabletop RPGs uh, for adults. Not just for adults, but you know. What was that conversion like? Like it's, it's definitely not one-to-one -one when you're writing a LARP or you're doing things for summer camp and then coming over and creating just a slew of lyric games and also, like, quote-unquote, more traditional, like, RPGs. Yeah, more traditional by big, my standards, big, maybe big, not. <laughs> big quotes on that. Big okay. quotes on more traditional. Let me make that extremely clear. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting, because it was um, uh, with, with LARP, um, running it for teens, there's an element at which there is sort of a way in which it's much more freeing, because teens are better at role-playing than adults. Um, and because um, I sort of knew the format so back to front and there really was like a very unique format that doesn't translate well to other things, but it meant that by the time I was kind of wrapping up writing those sorts of games, um, I'd gotten, I'd, I'd, I'd basically, it'd become a, a tool of self-expression, right? Where it was like, I knew how to write things that were sort of that, like I, I got and kind of developed a mastery of the form and then applying that to tabletop games meant kind of, learning that like there's a different level of control effectively where it's like in a tabletop game in, in both you are building a structure for players to create meaning within but in a tabletop game you have both more and less control over that because you are able to sort of dictate the framework by which the players can build meaning or like which the players are encouraged to build meaning but also um you sort of lose the ability to um there's a way in which in the sort of LARPs that I ran where you could sort of become lost in the game where the, the, the game fell away and it became just a spiritual experience with the forest and the mountains, uh, which you can definitely feel if you read Sleep Away. Um, and that's not, that's the thing I, I, I've worked hard to capture in games like Sleep Away, Esoteric, uh, Wander Home, but it's not an easy, it was not an easy conversion and it, it's still something I'm practicing. You said something really interesting uh, that I kind of want to touch on. You you said that teens are better at role playing than adults, and mm -hmm. I feel like I have a good feeling as to the the answer on that. I have I have a hunch. I have a hunch, but I want to ask like, what makes you say that? Like, in in what ways are they better? Why do you think they're better? Um. So I think one of the key things is that um, teens haven't learned how they're supposed to role play yet. I think that that's kind of a, a, one of my deepest frustrations in this scene is that people have, is that when you're an adult, 
And when you, when you're sort of learning how to role play as an adult, there's a sensation of there's a way you're supposed to do that. And you might learn that through table culture, Dungeons and Dragons. You might learn that through sort of the story game structure that you kind of have picked up. You might learn that through podcasts. You might learn that through uh, like cultural, like if you're, if you're 50 and you're LARPing for the first time, you might learn that through like cultural expectations around what role playing is. Um, but teenagers don't have that conception and they're not interested in that conception. Kids aren't. So there's sort of an element at which they are um, building their own language much more effectively and finding meaning much more effectively. And I think also um, teenagers are just way more comfortable taking narrative risks. They're just, they're just very okay with that in a way that I think people, I think, I think teenagers are much better at understanding that uh, the goal for them is to have fun and that they can do whatever they want as long as it, like, like if they're building their own fun, right? Like if a teenager looks at the game you've built and says, I don't care about any of the plot. I don't care about any of the setup. I am here to cry over my friend's dead bodies and God damn it, I will get that. Um, that's how it is. You know what I mean? I think adults are really scared to make that call. We're, we're scared to set to acknowledge the fact that the rules we live in the the rules that we have built for ourselves and the rules that have been built for us uh aren't that they're not real that they're things we can we can rip apart and bend and transform and re-articulate um and i think when adults try to do that they they kind of approach it from a very wonky angle it's it's very much a thing of like i i fully agree like the the learned behaviors in in the genre or in the game type is definitely a very real thing. I also think that like it has something to do with like, as, as an adult, I have consumed more media than a teenager has. Mm -hmm. I'm, I have these ideas in my head mm -hmm. about proper narrative beats and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well I've set this thing up. So now I have to do this thing. The Chekhov's gun and all that shit. Yeah. Um, Teens Which, like uh, <laughs> don't don't really have that, or if they do, they don't care. And that's that's part of it, right? For me with Wanderhome is that Wanderhome is not a game that Wanderhome, in fact, explicitly rejects the urge yeah. to narrativize. And so it says, it says don't yeah. do it, don't care about that. Just just yeah. have your journey. Yeah, just do the thing. And and that's always been my thing is that like I don't I I don't want I don't know like that, that the the fact that Wanderhome is such a paradigm shift I think for a lot of people who think that they understand what it means to play in a world but they don't necessarily um and so that's kind of one of the really there's a lot of elements of Wanderhome that is me applying um LARP concepts like the idea in LARP that there's no main character or that there's 60 main characters right like everyone's everyone is telling their own story uh and there's an idea in LARP that's like you don't know everything that's going on. The world is bigger than you. And so those are both ideas that have ended up in Wanderhome, uh, philosophically kind of coming from my background that I think people kind of instinctively are nervous about. It makes them, it, it feels nerve wracking to, to know that you are not the, the focus of the story. The story doesn't care about you more than it cares about the shopkeep you randomly bumped into. You are... It it kind of reminds me. There's um, I hope I get this word right, but it's uh, the the feeling of sonder. I think is what it is. Yes, yes. Like it, every it, everyone everyone else in the world has just as full and detailed of a life as you do. Yes, 
you, and, and you that's are thing, right? no one yeah. in their story. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, right? Is that I think in in RPGs there's kind of this fantasy of wanting to be the the most important person in the world, and I think that there is value in that, in that it is it is freeing and it is it's wonderful to be to. to it's go a good to escape, work. right? Yeah, it's an escape. But also, I think that in it, for me in 2020, when sort of you know the alt right and this this sort of you know the the this Nazi movement and part of fascism is built on the cult of the individual and the cult of the hero and the and I'm not saying that stories about individuals are bad that is not at all what I'm saying I just feel like for me I didn't I I just I and it's not like a permanent resistance I'm sure I'll write games where your main characters I just had this like while working on Wander Home this this like it's not a, I'm not making like a like a grand sweeping proclamation about the fundamental nature of storytelling I'm just saying for Wander Home I felt this very natural resistance to uh heroes and wander home in fact it's set you know like in the full rule book uh heroism is considered a negative trait that it is it is you don't want to be a hero being it's, it's terrible curse to feel like you know what's right and wrong for people there's um there's actually a really really good way like the specific way that you word that the description of like heroes in this world is that it's um they may still be happy and and joyous and peaceful but it's poisoned by the things that they've had to go through Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really powerful and Mm -hmm. like poignant um yeah especially with like the the framework or the the outline and structure of Mm -hmm. wander home and where its focuses are because it very much says hey you are in this world you're going to play in this world you might feel tempted to be a hero but this is what that means yeah heroism is a curse right that is it is it is you have incredible cosmic and narrative power but it is lonely and sad and will kind of break you uh, in the same exactly. way that in this world yeah. being a king breaks you or being a soldier you, you are a lonely conqueror um, and that's kind of Wander Home's underlying thing is that it is a game that says that I don't I don't care about heroes. I want you to stop thinking of yourself as a hero. You don't know what's best for other people, <laughs> right? And like in Wander Home, you don't when you arrive to a new place, you don't know how to fix the place's problems. You don't know it better than other people than the people who live there do. You're a guest, right? Like you know you are you are a guest who has been invited into this space, but you don't know it as well as the people who live there. So good. Oh my God. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good is the thing about it. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing, Jay. It's really, really good. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like where to go from there in this discussion. Um, but that like, that, that really is kind of it. That sums up a lot of like the, the yeah, things behind this and the things leading yeah. into this. There's... That's, that's the philosophy of Wonder Home. I think also another, I mean, another worthwhile thing maybe to mention quickly, I'm not sure where we're at with time, but uh, just to mention briefly the the fact that Wander Home is also very interested in the way things change over time and also kind of inevitably having to give things up. Like uh, in LARP, in the way we'd run LARP at camp is that they were they were single sessions, right? Is that you would... You'd play a game for three hours and then you would never touch that character or world again. It's done. It's over. You're not getting to tell a story about your character forever. You only have them for so long. And when you play Wander Home long enough, 
um, your characters inevitably rotate out. Uh, there's eventually a point where you don't get to, like, you, where you have to say goodbye to your character if you play it for, like, I think literally I did the math and it's like, um, you have to play it for a minimum of um, 18 sessions. So like already longer than basically any game of Apocalypse World. Um, <laughs> you have to play Wander Home. And then at that point, eventually you've got to make the choice that no, my character's moving on and I'm going to take on a new character. Because in Wander Home, it is very much like you don't, why do you get, like, if you get too attached, like, don't get too attached. Like, people move on. People grow and change over time. And eventually there comes a point where you're not the best person to tell that story. I really, really, uh, th this has been a, a theme recently for, for me. Mm -hmm. um, I really like games that explore or tell you to sort of sit and consider your story to be within a specific amount of time right like gun and slinger is i strictly say in it this is not a campaign you need to sit down and figure out your goals and mm -hmm. then play it and each session is kind of episodic yeah and yeah. in stand-ins for the apocalypse i say this game is four sessions long mm -hmm. it takes place over the course of a month have at it and i i think there's something really really great about in wander home saying eventually your character will need to move on. Mm -hmm. And I, like you put it, right? Like people mm -hmm. move on and people change and the story changes and the needs of the story change, but it's framed in a very impactful sort of way, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also one of the key things is that just because your character moves on doesn't mean the story's over, you know, like, you then yes. from there you you take up a new character and you keep going it, it continues um and it it like your if you play it long enough like years and years and years you kind of end up as you go back to places you've been before the world kind of continues to deepen and you build new characters but there's not really that element of like oh you know like i have been playing this this wizard for 15 years it's like you know you it's just that it's it's not so much the individual character as it is the world that's been collectively developed and that's always been the focus of wander home is that it, it cares about the land and it's it's it started with me wanting to write a game that is about the world as opposed to about people so good it's pretty uh, good it's so pretty good, good. I think so it's, it's, it's so good. it's so it's so good and juicy and i love mm -hmm. it um and that actually brings us close enough to time to switch over to our next fun and fantastic little segment where we are actually going to play a little bit of Wander Home. Hell yeah. So let's take a quick little break, and when we come back, we will get to it. Pin and Paper People is made possible thanks to the generous donations of our patrons. Thanks go out to Allison M, Puking Goombas, David S, Cruz, Mark B. Writing, Storm H, and Steve Z. Your support means a whole hell of a lot. Thank you. Pin and Paper People is also a proud member of the prolific podcast network Old Magic Gaming. OMG is a network of actual play and tabletop-focused podcasts created and managed by a diverse cast of contributors. Check them out at oldmagicgaming.com and on Twitter at oldmagicgaming.
All right, welcome back. Uh, today we are here to play and then talk about J Dragon's Wander Home, a game built on the no dice, no masters engine, sometimes called Belonging Outside Belonging. Wander Home is a GMless game about the journey you and your compatriots go on through the land of Hyeth, a rural and positive land filled with welcoming animal people and their big bug friends. Rather than a typical quote-unquote resolution system, uh, no dice, no masters games use moves and tokens. In Wanderhome, you gain tokens when you make certain choices or do certain things at a cost to yourself or outside your comfort zone. A couple examples in the book are inconveniencing yourself to help someone else or do something kind without getting anything in return. Then, on the flip side, you spend those tokens to push on or solve important things, typically problems that aren't easy to solve on their own. You can spend them to ease someone's pain, if only for a moment, or to provide a solution for an aspect of a material or immediate problem. Outside of those sorts of things, Wanderhome doesn't really worry too much about failure. Instead of leaving things to a coin toss or a die roll, it allows you to make the decision to fail yourself whenever you feel like it's narratively interesting. Everything in this game is written in service of a journey and, by extension, making the experience you and your friends have while playing this game a unique and potentially important one. Uh, previously on the bonus content, uh, we actually went and we went ahead and made our characters as well as the location that we're going to be starting out in. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my character and then Jay, you can introduce yours. So my character is the moth tender playbook, which is essentially <laughs> moths in this are like carrier pigeons is how you put it earlier, Jane. It's very, very good. Um, so I take care of and tend these moss, and I help deliver mail. Uh, my name is Julius. Uh, Julius has no pronouns, and Julius is a bat person. Uh, Julius is trusting and cheerful, wears a tweed vest, some small reading glasses, and has a big shining lantern and a bunch of satchels filled with paper. Um... Julius used to have a wax-sealed love letter, but we lost that on a little misadventure, um, and is also carrying a basket of homemade candies intended for a mayor of a village, and a bottle of rare and important medicine that is going to a cheerful old farmer with a big family. Uh, Julius wears a ring um, from Julius's fiance back home, um, and the two of them share a promise that Julius will bring back stories the likes of which uh the fiance has never heard and that's that's my uh that's my big bat friend um so i am the ragamuffin playbook who is uh just a little kid just a just a a, a preteen just a, a little you know a rascal uh actually my character's name is rascal uh and they use they them pronouns uh they are a capuchin which is a uh type of monkey uh, they are uh, attentive and friendly, but refuse to be quiet or a girl. Sorry, scared or a girl, although they, they're not very quiet either. Um, they are, uh, what do you call it? They have uh, a poking stick, a poking stick, suspenders, and a gap-toothed smile. Um, they have learned, they have been taught the life lessons that the world is bigger than they can wrap their head around and that authority figures cannot be trusted. Uh, they have rejected um, the ideas that uh, you can't stop the world from hurting you 
um, or that I'm going to, I don't think if I chose that one, but uh, your parents made you who you are now. Um, they carry with them openly uh, the capacity to see brief snippets of the future. And uh, they secretly carry a young paradise mansion, uh, the last of its kind. Uh, they were a, uh, the child of a distant noble uh, who uh, Julius rescued. Um, and they've been, they've kind of, uh, uh, what's like the reverse of an adoption where they've just, uh, they've claimed Julius as their new parent. I think you, you said it, you said it really, really well. Ass assigned parent at rescue. Yes. Yes. Uh, a par. Um, and so they've kind of latched onto Julius, uh, for good or for ill. I love these two characters. Um, I also did forget to mention Julius is trusting and cheerful and is not proper or masculine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if you're curious to know like what the process was like creating these characters um, and the place that we're going to be in, then uh, hit me up on Patreon. Yo, get that bonus content. Dang. Um, that is pretty much... So that's our characters. Should I? Should we give a little overview of the place that we're in as yeah, well? I think so. That. Um, so the place we're going to is um, Vastpath or Vastbeth to the locals. Um, it is a uh, it is a sacred road um, that uh, was is it's it is made from the three natures. It has the three natures of road, hallow, and uh, field. So it is a sacred road. Uh, adorned with cairns and surrounded by spirits and small and forgotten gods uh, next to uh, a sacred river uh, amidst this enormous grassy field. It's so good. If you, if you want some more details on that, you know where to find it. I already, yeah, I already we have a lot it. of details <laughs> that, that places you end up with just way more details on places than you like maybe need, but that's great. Like that's, it's that's good. The good part. I think that kind of leans into like, the core conceit of Wanderhome being like, you don't know everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yes, that exactly. sort of goes for our characters. Like they're not going to interact with everything either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, precisely. Um, so we decided that it was the month of Gatling, which is the shortest month of the year where summer is giving way to autumn. Um, that's like the equivalent. Um, yeah. It's it's technically it's the month before the moon dance, uh, which is the ushering of the end of the season of breathe and into the season of uh, silt. So there's there's a calendar. There's a calendar. It, there there is a calendar, and it's very good. Yeah. Um. So all right, how do we how do we want to start this? Um. Well, so first, I want to just before we begin, I want to just make sure you spot because I know you haven't played. B.O.B.-esque games before, so I just want to draw your eyes to um, specifically the bottom gray bar, uh, which gives you uh, journeying tools, which is uh, journeying tools are uh, they're sort of the safety mechanic for this game, so they are a set of phrases you can use in order to uh, articulate, like, I want to do something different, or like, let's hold on, or like, where should we go next, those sorts of structures. Um, there's also, uh, there are things that we can do in order to get a token. There are things we can spend a token in order to do, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and then there are also some things you can always do. Um, I like to refer to these as like idle animations, effectively. They are not 
I, I refuse to use the word move in this whole game because moves have a specific uh, meaning and that these are not these are not moves. Yeah. There's um, like a but, specific yeah. context to moves if you play RPGs. Yeah, moves moves in RPGs generally mean things that push the fiction forward, whereas these are not that. Um, and so some things you can always do are uh, just sort of your tools for like expressing your character without necessarily... Uh, having to like push the fiction i like that I, idle animations is a really good way to mm-hmm. to establish like the point of these yes yes exactly. cool mm-hmm. um so yeah let's let's begin i feel like where where the the very natural place to begin right is like as we arrive or like as we approach right i feel like we're walking up on a big i feel like the entrance to vast path like when you first like get onto where you're like the next step, right? I feel mm-hmm. like there's a big gate that's made of stacked river stones. Here's um, a thought, which is what if this was like what if the gate was once a like actual military sort of like toll booth esque gate, but that was like hundreds of years ago and it's now become ooh. this like ceremonial like little like it itself is a shrine. Um and it's like it's like the structure of it. like it's made from the river stones and like it was once a building and like with a gate attached and then it kind of has just become these mossy stones. I like that a lot. Let's yeah, let's do that. Let's lean into that. Let's make that magic happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're we're approaching this gate. Um, there's nobody tending it. Obviously, yeah, no. like there's there's nobody who works here who tends this gate. None of that stuff. Yeah, what what what, yeah, what think, next? Think, Jay, take the lead. I think Rascal, who refuses to be scared, Rascal is um uh kind of uh not clinging to you, but almost like pointedly not clinging to you. Like um, very specifically not. Yeah, because I think I think they are generally scared, but they refuse to be scared, you know? Yeah. Living in denial of the fear you feel. Yes, exactly. And so they've got like They've got their poking stick, and they're kind of just like, uh, like I'd say maybe a couple feet away from you, kind of like ner- like kind of staring at like the grass and like the things in the grass and like the 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 stones and like just kind of like taking in this weird world and like okay, I think yeah. I think they are I think they are currently getting really invested in a new interest, which is a thing that they can always do. I think Julius. Um says to rascal like um so julius have you uh wait no that's me sorry uh (laughs) rascal (laughs) oh geez i did it again rascal have you ever heard of this place vast path i I know you haven't been here but have you heard of it have you heard the stories uh rascal very wide-eyed is like no 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 um but i'm i'm rascal's clearly torn between wanting desperately to know and also not admitting ignorance um, and so they're just kind of like, I'm sure I've heard a story or two, but maybe if you, if you remind me, if you just jog my memory, um, absolutely, to- totally, no, no problem there at all, Rascal, I got you, bud. Um, so this, this place is a holy road, essentially, uh, there's a lot of spirits that, uh, that live here, um, and we actually have to leave a gift for them as we pass through, um, now, I don't really 
I forgot we were heading this way. I'll be totally, totally clear. Uh, so I don't have anything. So we're going to have to actually find something before we go out the other gate. Yeah. Um, Rascal grimaces and is like, I, I don't want to like Rascal kind of like, I think, I think um, they're Paradise Mantis who is named, um, uh, who's named Cerulean. Uh, Cerulean oh, the Paradise so Mansion kind of Mantis pokes uh, her head out kind of like nervously and Rascal is like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any gifts of anything. It doesn't need to be anything major. We can find something while we're here. Don't, don't worry about it, Rascal. We'll figure it out. But this, this place is important to the people around here. And I think that, well, I think if you keep your eyes wide and ears open, you might learn some stuff in here. Rascal. And then Julius, Julius, uh, puts out a hand um like as if to hold rascals rascal takes your hand and i'm going to i'm going to take a moment to bask in the grandeur of the world so i can get a token uh and while walking with you and holding your hand i think um rascal is going to stare off at the river and see kind of the way the water sparkles and in that kind of interesting light where like the water sparkling i think it was like it's it's kind of it's not sunset yet, but the sun is like sun is hitting the water into the right angle where Rascal sees like these little almost like the sort of the trailing of these little bits of fish like the the illuminating these ghostly fish as they swim yeah. above the river and Rascal kind of just basks in it. So I will snag that token because that's what this game's about. Um, yeah, just just doing little things for narrative beats. I like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that as we're walking, Julius is kind of starting to reminisce. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time that Julius was here, the the fiance was was with them, who I need to give a name to. Yeah, I was um, gonna say <laughs> Rampley. Rampley is R- a good name. R a m p l e y. Yeah, so Julius and the last time Julius was here, Rampley was along. Um, and Rampley told Julius a story, and while Julius can't really like remember it, um mm-hmm. that that feeling, that that emotion of like being here is still very, very strong. So I am going to speak my true feelings on a subject mm-hmm. um and take a token and I think Julius just as holding holding Rascal's hand, um, Julius just says like this this place is it's not just important to the the people who live here, it's important to me too. There's a lot of really important memories for me here. Uh, every time I've been through here it's it's been with someone uh who has ended up being important and I think it's really great that I've gotten to wander with you here and that I get to share something important for me with you rascal stares at you uh and is definitely listening but also has the very particular reaction that kids sometimes have where you tell them something very profound and they like listen but also they like and it is something that years from now will like mean something will mean a lot to them exactly the moment, yeah rascal's just like huh yeah <laughs> And then, like, rescue, yeah, just like, okay, cool. a bug. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, I think Rascal spots, um, a, uh, a 
pill bug that's like I think maybe like the size of like Rascal's hand and uh they just kind of like are like they they tug on your arm as like you know like like I'm gonna let go of your hand and they kind of like pull away and uh wander right over to the pill bug and like start not poking at it with their poking stick but definitely just kind of like just a little exploratory poking right like what good is a poking stick if you're not investigating julius like adjusts the bags and walks over just like taking steps with with a cane like a like a walking stick to your poking (laughs) stick um and just kind of stands behind you just like watching um Mm -hmm. i don't think rascal noticed julius walking up behind them um yeah julius is just like watching and i'm gonna take a moment to watch a tiny moment of beauty and describe it to the table Mm -hmm. um to get a token and that's me watching uh that's julius watching rascal just innocently and childishly explore and learn about the world on their own i think rascal's going to call out very loudly like julius do you want to see something really cool and then like turns around and sees you're there and is like really though do you want to see something really cool absolutely uh you get a token so there you go boom uh it's one of the things i can do is is hand out tokens a lot um, and I tug you over, I like, I, I, I kind of pull you over to the pill bug because it's just kind of vibing. Like the pill bug really has like a, a little bit of like a lazy cat energy. Like how, you know? how, how big is the pill bug? Is like, it like cat sized? It's, it's a little smaller than cat sized, but it's kind of like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a small cat, but it's kind of just like a lazy, a lazy pill bug. Um, just chilling, vibing. Just, just straight vibing. And I'm, and I think Rascal is like, look, look at this and points at, um, along the pillbug's shell are um, these very fine um, painted, uh, like, do you know what Oracle Bone Script looks like? Um, I do not. Uh, it's sort of the proto-Chinese characters. They've got a really interesting, unique look to them. Um, but I think that's it's that kind of style painted along the, the pillbug, where it's like on the carapace someone has kind of painstakingly painted these like runes is the wrong word but these like there's sort of these like flowing pictographs oh so it's it's like a a decorated pill bug yeah this is clearly this this pill bug seems somehow important oh that's awesome i don't know i don't yeah rascal doesn't have anything to do with that rascal just thinks that's cool <laughs> well rascal you're definitely right that is very cool i i haven't seen markings like that before that's that's I think, awesome. I think I'm going to leave an offering to a smaller forgotten god to snag another token. Um, and I am going to pull out um, a little bit of my rations, like just grab kind of like the last little bits of like, uh, what's it called uh, in, in Lord of the Rings? That like that Limbus that bread. Lendus, thank you. Pull out a little bit of that and just feed it to the pill bug and the pill bug kind of gobbles it up and then slowly kind of just departs like gives a little nuzzle and then just like wanders off just slowly just like inching along just like yeah. oh yeah thank you and then leaves yeah, like, the, I pill like bug, that. the pill bug's not like it's it's not that the pill bug can't move fast the pill bug's just not in a hurry pill bug be vibin pill bug be straight vibin straight up 
Vibalicious. Awesome. That's such a cute little scene. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think with that, like Julius will just put the hand back out again and just saying, all right, rascal, come on, let's keep going. Rascal, rascal, uh, goes take Julius's hand and then, uh, just clambers up on Julius's shoulders instead. And it's just like onwards. And like, this is not sustainable, but rascal thinks it's fun. I, Julius thinks it's fun too. And also recognizes it's very not sustainable. Yes. Rascal, <laughs> rascal is, n- is a pretty lightweight monkey, but still it's. <laughs> Julius is a bat and a little old and not buff um because it's like it's rascal on top of all the papers and bags and like oh true i carry most of our supplies and stuff so i think what i do is like the sun is at this point like we we i feel like we spent a decent amount of time chilling out with that pill bug yeah Um, i agree so uh julius is going to just uh take the lamp off of Mm -hmm. uh julius's belt and open it and Julius um, whispers something into the lamp and then closes it and like taps the the glass on it and it begins to light up with like a faint like oh. blue glow. Um, and I'm going to hand it up to Rascal sitting on my shoulder and say, here, put this on the end of your stick and help light the way as it gets darker. Yeah uh rascal 100 percent does that and so it's sunset now right like it's 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 that golden hour of course it is, it is right? that golden hour so like it's, it's we've got, got like this mm-hmm. we've got this blue this gold and, and the, based and on the what we set up with the setting the yeah that we're starting to yeah. see that are i think i very much what i'm picturing is that the spirit is not like spirits are not visible except uh for the light that touches them and like the the way the like golden light kind of touches them means that like it's almost like you're just seeing their highlights yeah um, and then i i feel like the blue from the lantern could potentially like do the low lights yeah the shadows absolutely. on them but, like you're not like it's not there's like a, a yeah there's not a structure underneath there's just like the light catching them exactly so it helps make like a slightly more defined picture of these spirits as we pass through yeah and i think we see like I don't think we see the possum that we were talking about during place creation, but I think we do see like, um, I think maybe just like a few like sort of spirits sitting on the rocks and like talking to each other. And like, I think they're just, I think they're also kind of just hanging out. Like it's clear that maybe they're waiting for something. Um, For sure. But like what they are waiting for, who, who's to say, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, like, Rascal is... When, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a moment to marvel at something no one has ever seen before. Um, and, uh, will you describe that to me? Because it is asked the table to describe it. So, I think, I think what the scene is, is that there's a new spirit that, like, nobody's really ever seen before. Um... I think she is kind of tall, um, like a a very tall dog, um, mm. sitting on a rock and facing the road and playing a harp. Yeah, yeah, that sounds wonderful. And I think I think that's the thing. And we we 
we can't hear the music um Mm -hmm. except for like the vague way that it shapes the tone of the wind yeah, I was gonna say in the same way that the spirits are only visible in, in in like highlights and lowlights. I think the music is only visible like in the like I don't know a ton about music, but there's that thing where there's like the main sound and then there's like subtle sounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like there's like the there's like the resonance, and then there's like these smaller frequencies that exist within a larger frequency. And so I think we're hearing the like the resonance of it, but we're not hearing the main sound. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We hear the leftovers of, yeah, exactly. of the notes mm-hmm. and we hear them on the wind. So yeah. like when a breeze or ooh, ooh, even better, the more intense the wind is, the more we can hear. So like during idle stuff, we just get like the end of a note, the the resonance, as you put it. But then during um, like during gusts of wind, we hear the fuller song. Yeah. I think that's really good. And so we, we sort of just, I guess we just stand and stare at that for a little bit and we just enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, um, Julius fidgets a bit. Um, and then like stretches and like picks you up off of Julius's shoulders and sets you down. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's, let's you continue like carrying the lantern and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am going to also leave an offering for a small or forgotten god and take a token. Mm-hmm. And I am I'm going to take some paper out and I'm going to take out my pen and I'm going to write um, a simple note uh, for this dog spirit. Um, and it's just going to say, thank you. And mm-hmm. Julius is going to put it in the envelope and wax seal it and take it over and set it on the ground sort of like tucked underneath the stone that the dog is sitting on. And then Julius like bows a little bit and comes back to the road and we continue on. I'm going to do a thing that our place can always do. Um, because I know I, I want to tap on that a little bit, which is I'm going to do something the field can always do, which is describe a gentle place to rest. Um, and I think that um it's because it's it's late, you know, it's it's breathe, it's you know, it's the season of breathe, there's that like kind of colder, like it's kind of a colder night. Um, it's not like you know, it's not like frozen, but like a little chilly, especially yeah. by the river. And I think um we come across a uh as we were walking, we come across a little campfire. Um it's like it's nighttime now, and I think that there's uh, a few people um, sitting around the campfire. Um, I think a couple of uh, salamanders and someone else, presumably. Uh, I don't know. That's up to you. Um, let's uh, let's make it that familiar shepherd. Yeah, let's do that familiar shepherd. And so there's like the bumblebees. There's the bumbles like chilling in the grass behind them, kind of sleeping and bumping into each other. And they're kind of just sitting by the fire. And, like, it's not, like, right next to the road, but, like, we can see it, like, up the hill a bit. I, uh, yeah, I think we go, uh, Julius will will ask Rascal, hey, you want to go check it out and say hi? Rascal nods excitedly and is, like, actually, I think Rascal is already running to check it out. Oh, yeah, I think, (laughs) yeah, Julius goes to say that. 
and like looks down and sees that you're not there and looks up and you're like halfway up the hill. Yep, yep, um, yep. Julius just kind of like rolls eyes, stretches, like readjusts the bags and starts like walking, walking up again. Like not even really trying to catch up, just following. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Rascal runs up and it's just like, I think, um, uh, da, 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 da. Um, I think, um, so actually what we get to do here that's kind of cool is um, we, so as you play Wander Home, you also end up making Kith, who are kind of the other people that exist in the world. And um, we don't have to kind of like, I think if we're, if we we're playing it, like, you know, for a session or for multiple sessions, we'd like to spend just a little bit more time making them. But what we get to do is choose um, two traits from a list to describe someone. And that, once again, is a random table, or we can just pick. Um, and I'd like to suggest our familiar shepherd is um, sturdy and quiet. I like that a lot. Let's let's go with that for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of, I think. What's her, what's his name? Bronson. Bronson. Bronson's a good name. Um, so I think Bronson looks up and like kind of has a brief moment of confusion just seeing this monkey child like just like standing at the top run of the up, field holding a light, like running up with a big shit eating grin. Yeah, exactly. Big gap tooth. Just uh yeah, absolutely. Just like ha Um and then sees you kind of behind uh Rascal and is like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, puts puts two and two together. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Bronson like asks uh, Julius. <laughs> I'm giving Bronson an accent. Um, mm-hmm. So is uh, this this kid with you, Julius? And Julius says, "Yeah, uh, st- stuck together by circumstance. You know how it is." How uh, you doing, Bronson? Rascal kind of gives you a little look, and then Bronson is like doing all right uh i cannot do bronson's accent i'm not you don't ha- you don't have to do it yeah, i was gonna say that's a that's a use thing uh bronson's like i'm doing all right um making some friends enjoying the fire uh it's uh it's gotten dark do you uh and you're still a uh, another few miles down the road from an inn do you want to stay here for a bit bronson i think that'd be delightful if if y'all have room for us well uh plenty of room in the field you're just gonna you need your bedroll and you don't have any extra well yeah those, you but... you know what i mean bronson jeez come on uh i do this he, every time yeah he 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 chuckles to himself in the way like very dad joke energy of like absolutely like is, big, big yeah this dad is the joke i make every bronson. time i meet someone sort of exactly vibe. Um, uh, it's like it's like those when you get a haircut and your grandparents say, "Oh, you got your ear low ears lowered, huh?" Like, God, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. did. Yep, yep same yep. same exact energy from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think that sounds great. And we like pull up our stuff and we we sit down at the fire. I want to give some traits to one of these salamanders. Yeah, um, let's give some salamander traits. What's um, yeah? What's her name? Um. Her name, I think, is um, Siobhan. Um, Siobhan is a very good name. Yeah, yeah. And I think she is... um, uh, I think she is... uh, I... Yeah, you want to pick one and I'll pick one? Yeah, I I want her to be crafty. Crafty sounds good. And I think I want her to be... um, uh, uh, Friendly 
Excellent. Super good. So yeah, we we're sitting at a campfire with uh, Bronson and Siobhan. And then uh, another salamander who I think is quiet. I think is one of, I think maybe just quiet and learned. And Siobhan, I think is just going off telling a story, right? Like what's the story about? Um, I think she's telling a story about, it's like, it's, it's a little, it's one of those, like not really a shaggy dog story. Cause it's not a joke. But it's got the kind of energy of, like, this is a story that maybe is as long or short as she needs it to be. She's she's telling this story so that she can speak. Yes, exactly. And it's just, you know, it's not like in a malicious way. She's just having fun, you know? Exactly. Um, you know, one of those stories that you go into extra detail. Like, mm-hmm. you say things that you didn't say the last time you told it because exactly, you're having so much yeah. fun and people are eating um, it up. And I think, I think she is... Um, she's not a she i think she's a bit of an adventurer like she's a bit of a thrill seeker right like i think she she travels to places to just kind of get caught up in mischief um and she ends up um like and she's she's a little bit of a vagabond and she's but like like you know like right now she's not really doing that she's just on her like she she had to get out of uh a uh, city in a hurry and like she's on her way to the next place and so she's kind of like you know she's you know she's she's just chilling telling stories i I, yeah i assume like we've we've introduced ourselves and they've introduced themselves and everything Mm -hmm. yeah and i think of like while um siobhan is like telling the story like a switch flips in julius's head and goes oh uh siobhan i i have a letter for you uh her eyes light up and she's like really huh yeah um and julius like opens bag and and pulls out a letter and it's got a seal on it um she'll take that token even if she has nothing to do with it (laughs) just for good luck excellent i guess actually she can do i guess anyone can do things you can spend a token on so maybe she'll do that maybe she won't we don't maybe know well it's it's just that's one of the some things i can always do is just like i have a letter for you there you go Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then she gets a token if if she accepts it. So oh, cool. Oh yeah, yeah right there. Hey, yeah. hey, hot dang! Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yep. Great. We've given we've given Siobhan a token. <laughs> I hope she doesn't use it to cause problems. <laughs> Siobhan seems like the kind of person who causes trouble on purpose. I think so. I think so. Um, we didn't name the other salamander. Um, I don't think we know the salamander's name. <laughs> oh, think- they just haven't said good yeah i don't i I don't think i don't think that they talk i think they're just i think them and siobhan are like a duo you know kind of a little bit of like a rumple teaser and mumbo jerry energy Um, i like it yeah and so like or you know like just in terms of like being like a duo of troublemakers and they're the one who like like they've or even like phineas and ferb right (laughs) there we go all right yeah and so I think they, I think the, the quiet one is like the one who actually, like, I think a lot of Siobhan's stories kind of like, and then I was in this horrible mess and it was an enormous disaster, but they got me out of it. Right. And then kind of like, you know, like there's kind of this, like, you know, it's, it's the, you can tell that there is another half of the story that we don't necessarily exactly, know. Right. But like, like we don't, we yeah. don't need to know it either. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not having that half of the story paints just as full of a picture as having it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you can tell the, the quiet one doesn't really want to share. Exactly. Know. This other salamander is just like nursing a drink 
and just like sitting mm-hmm. and enjoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we stay and and we listen and we carouse a bit and we just have mm-hmm. a have a nice de- delightful night. I think the rascal just like kind of grabs a a bottle of of uh you know, ale and, you know, like a little bottle of, of beer and doesn't get drunk, but it's definitely like, whoa, this is wild and thinks it tastes bad. Um, yeah, it takes, <laughs> takes like a sip and hates it and puts the bottle back down. Yeah. And it's like, I don't get any of you at all. How is this fun? <laughs> you'll, you'll understand when you're older, rascal. Will I? <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so why can't Julius sleep that night? I think Julius is just a light with, I don't think it's like a restless thing, like not an uncomfortable restlessness, but a good one. I think Julius is just excited about being here and seeing these people and Mm -hmm. is just excited for whatever is come to come next. And I think like... I think the nature of the relationship with Rascal has finally hit Julius. It has just been mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, I'm a parent. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, and I think it's just a lot of emotion. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. I don't <laughs> I don't know that I have anything else for this scene. I think that's good. I think that's good. And I th- yeah, I'm, I, mean, I, I am actually kind of interested in, like, in Rascal's fast asleep, everyone else is fast asleep. Does Julius, like, does Julius kind of wander out in the field a bit? Maybe a little. Just just yeah. a little bit. I'm just kind of interested in the, like, in the moment of, like, you know, it's nighttime, there's stars in the sky, there's the field, you know. You see kind of this solitary tree a little bit in the distance. I'm going to spend a token. Yeah to tell the table something important about the place that you're in. So after maybe 10, 20 minutes of just this this vibrating in place, um, Julius gets up and leaves the lantern because it's not really needed. Actually, mm-hmm. no, it's a cooler scene if I take it. So I'm going to take the lantern yeah. and I'm going to put it on a dim light as I walk not super far away from the camera. Like I can see it, but I'm mm-hmm. far enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I whisper into the lantern again, tap the glass. It it glows a bit more. And then I like, it starts to glow like too bright. And then I just like, shush, I like shush the lantern and it dims down a bit. Oh yeah. And I stand in the middle of this field um, where the last time that I was here, this is a spot where a fairy circle was and it's not here anymore. And mm-hmm. it was in this fairy circle um, that Rampley proposed to me. Um, and <gasps> oh my we, God. And that we like made the agreement to like go on our journeys and come back here to this spot in a year. And it's only been a couple of months since then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You made the promise in, in Bloom Meadow and it's, you know, it's been, it was, you know, that, that was last season. It's been a couple months, but mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm here and I'm, that's, that's the important thing about this place is that this, this mm-hmm. was the spot in that it was recently. Um, yeah. And the scene is just Julius standing like in where that fairy circle was sort of walking the perimeter of where it was because they can still, they just remember it. Um, yeah, and the yeah. low light of the lantern is like catching the undertones of like some of the spirits that are still around. 
I think uh, I think there's a a smaller forgotten. I think there's a there's a small and forgotten god that is kind of that is is clearly kind of attracted to the lantern, but also perhaps attracted to you. This memory you have, and like maybe even remembers it themselves, and is kind of bobbing next to the light. Uh, and it's just like a, a wisp, you know, like sort of a, a you know, a, a bit of like just a bit of light, like a like a dust moat kind of floating beside me. Yeah, precisely. Oh, it's so good. Such a mm, mwah, mwah. so good. Chef's kiss. I think that is a fantastic spot to end this because like the thing about Wonder Home, like like you said before we started, is like there's not really proper arcs or anything like that. You just kind of play and tell a segment and carry mm-hmm. on. Yeah, so exactly. I'm I'm happy to stop this part here and move on to our post-game discussion. I think that sounds great. Okay. So we're going to take another quick little break, and when we come back, we are going to do the final final section of the interview where we talk about Wonder Home. Yeah, yeah. The Old Magic Gaming Network is delighted to be partnered with Found Familiar Coffee, a group making specialty-grade coffee inspired by D&D. The coffee is tasty as hell, and Found Familiar partners with various artists to create unique artwork for each flavor. Head on over to foundfamiliar.com and use the code OLDMAGICGAMING, all one word, at checkout for 10% off. All right, welcome back. I hope you had a wonderful whatever. Um, so now we are here. We are going to talk about Wander Home itself. Um, and the first thing that I want to ask is, well, I had a first thing and then other things hopped into my head. So we're just going to start with this. What is what is your personal favorite part about Wander Home? Oh, wow. My personal favorite part. Um I feel like it's it's different every time, but right now I think my personal favorite part is that Wander Home has so many playbooks that aren't really at all covered by like most traditional RPGs. Like um, there is not space in most games for a shepherd playbook who is truly just a shepherd, right? Like no special things going on, no powers, no deeper meaning, no big thing literally a shepherd with a herd of bumblebees who's just you know like going just just trying to do it just trying to do the thing maybe not even trying maybe just actually doing it just hanging out you know what i mean like like this element where it's like like i think um i i realized that with the poet the poet was the last playbook i wrote and kind of ended up being this interesting little meta commentary on all of wander home and uh feels very much like like when you've got a bard in most games that bard is in some way using their their ability to tell stories to sing songs something like that using it for like some kind of like mechanical gain you know like helping their friends or fighting monsters or whatever and like even bards in in games that aren't necessarily super combat focused they're like abilities are about uh like you know their their ability they they they're, they still do things right like that they, they still have powers that come from their their poetry the poet literally doesn't the poet is just a dude who writes is working on a book like they're just they're just journeying cuz they're trying to put their book together like it's something it's so really like 
like they don't have to be a writer for a reason. They, they're not getting a benefit from being a writer. They're a writer because that's who they are, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing of Wanderhome is that like when you are something, there's not, you don't gain like power from that. It's not a, a source of strength. It's just who you are. Like, why would you be anything else? Like in, in d and I think there's a feeling of like, the fighter is a fighter because they want to because they, they they hurt use their sword to hurt people and that's what they must do in order to survive. Whereas in Wander Home, it's like you don't have to be a poet, but that's who you are. That's what you care about. That's what you do. Yeah, these these playbooks are definitely like in Monster of the Week, right? Mm-hmm. Like your playbooks are things like the haunted, the doomed, the monstrous. And like as much as those are the things that you are, um mm-hmm that actually I feel defines you to less of an extent in monster of the week than an equivalent thing does in wander home. Right. Mm -hmm. Every, everything on my sheet was like, Hey, you're a, you're a mail carrier. You deliver packages. That's what you do. And like, it's not, there's not a deeper meaning there. Yeah. It's just like, like, this is, this is what you do. The deeper meaning in this game comes from the story that you tell. Or, yeah. or as the game insists, the journey that you go on. It doesn't Thank care you, about yeah. stories. I, I want to talk about that real quick because that's a really interesting distinction that I really, really love in the text. Um, you describe stories as like a, th- a big thing with like, I, I can't remember the exact way that you put it, but you make a distinction between stories and journeys that I really like and I would like you to talk on that. So a story, right, in the Western sense, a story has like a few things going on, right? Like it's got a protagonist, it's got a narrative arc, it's got conflict, it's, it's you know, like there's sort of the very Campbellian model that's embedded in our head. And I think even beyond that, it isn't true. Like, Cam, you know, the hero's journey is not real, but like we think about it. Um, and I think furthermore, a lot of story games and a lot of narrative games sort of build plot arc into it, you know, where it's like, you know, there's a lot of games, like, I'm thinking a lot about old school story games, where there's a lot of things that are like, here are your mechanisms for, like, building plot. Like, you've got things that revolve around, like, plot beats, effectively. Um, and you've got, like, camera angles and, like, that kind of framing. Um, and in Wander Home, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's the, I don't want you to tell stories because stories are an obligation. They're they're they feel like you have to for telling a story, things wrap up neatly. There's Chekhov's guns, there's plot points, there's you know, things tie together. And that's not what Wander Home is, that's that's not what life is. Life is about things that meander and things that maybe don't come back together coherently. Like you're not really trying to build something that like it's it's a paradigm shift. And it, the paradigm shift is really hard. I've seen it in playtesting I've experienced it myself in the way I talk about Wander Home. It is a difficult thing to articulate, like this kind of total mindset shift about how we think about what the purpose of a game is. Because Wander Home very explicitly says, you know, the function of a game is not about, like the function of this game is not about building a story. You can tell stories about it, but it refuses to be shackled to a story. Yeah. It, like during during play, like while we were playing just now, I kept catching myself thinking like, okay, what problem is there going to be? What is what is the thing that we can? What's a 
what's a sticky situation we can put ourselves into in order to do something interesting and like we didn't we didn't have to we didn't have we to didn't at have all to. we told a perfectly interesting and serviceable and emotional story um that's a because i mean if, if it, yeah it's a it's a western conceit that stories must have conflict it's a very western conceit um i once read a philosopher who argued that all all the universe is built on conflict because that's how stories are built which just felt so limited and i think a lot about limited and reductive yes exactly and i think a lot about this one form of japanese storytelling um which you know is not I don't, Wander Home is not this form of Japanese storytelling. I don't know it well enough to say that. I just, I, I think about it a lot, I guess, uh, where it's a four-act structure and the first two acts are about establishing the setting. The third act is something totally unrelated to the first two acts. And the fourth act is the synthesis of the the old thing and the new thing. So it's like, you might have a thing where it's like, um in uh oh god um in the uh let's say um in the first like a four panel comic in the first panel you've got someone going to their to their house in the second panel they're trying to open the door but they can't find their key in the third panel there is a bird flying through the air and then in the fourth panel the bird is dropping a key off with their in in sort of their nest of of trinkets right like that's a story without conflict there's no okay there's no conflict in that story. I guess you can like in that particular one, maybe you can project some conflict into it, but like the point, the, the, the satisfying arc of the story has nothing to do with people butting heads. Exactly. Like when it's, I think it's important to say that like when we talk about story and we talk about conflict in, in this sort of context, we pretty specifically mean like, or I, I pretty specifically take it to mean like, um, side a versus side b or side c negatively affected by side yeah. a right like man versus there's nature. there's yeah. an intent there's an intentionality to conflict in yes. storytelling um you can always say that like in the example that you gave like yeah there's a conflict here between the bird and the person trying to get home but it's not the kind of conflict that we mean that is like a conflict of circumstance and you can even build something beyond that where it's like if you did something like um, panel one, you've got a guy getting out of work. Panel So you've got a person getting out of work. Panel two, you've got a person, you know, you, they're driving in a car. Panel three um, is an old man sitting at a beach. Panel four is uh, the person running up to the old man and being like, father, you know, like. Exactly. That, that's a, that, you know, that's that same structure. And the satisfying part doesn't come from. Like, oh, wow, you know, there's there's conflict and resolution. It's like... We have gained a fuller you know, picture by by getting yeah, this exactly. extra information. And yeah, that precisely. is that is fully like what Waterhome is. Waterhome mm-hmm. kind of does that. Not in the same way, but like it, it gives mm-hmm. us a framework to tell these snippets of stories of a greater journey mm-hmm. without, yeah, exactly. without falling into the framework of like a traditional Western story. Um, and I think there is something really cruel. Just one last little bit. I think there is something in, in the same way that Wanderhome says heroes are bad. I think there's also something very cruel about uh, saying that um, kind of trapping the complexity of life into narratives that when you start building narratives, you like a story is a lie, right? And like, that's okay. But 
when you tell a story, you cannot tell someone every single bit of context and every perspective that goes into it. Exactly. Our, our friend Siobhan taught us that. Yes, exactly. Um, and so what Wanderhome kind of in that way becomes is like acknowledging that. And it's like, yeah, there is, you don't know every perspective. Like this is not, uh, you are not, you are not the, the all of Wanderhome does not fit in your head. Exactly. So good. So, so excellent. So good. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about the decision. I think we kind of talked about this either during creation or uh, when we started here, but like the decision to do something pastoral and positive and hopeful as a setting, because I, I feel like you could have done, this wouldn't have fit perfectly in any other setting, but like you mm-hmm. could have done something in another setting. You you could yeah. have made this like a sci-fi future or like we're on a spaceship journeying from planet to planet. What made you decide to plant your flag here? So I think that the, the, the core, the, the, the true deep reason is that I was, you know, quarantine hasn't been great. Surprise. Um, yeah, go and- for, ooh, wow, really? <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? And so um, a friend came by to basically check up on me, and we were hanging out, um, and we were sitting in the grass, look, and I was looking out at the river behind my house, um, and I just had this this desire in my heart for this landscape, and I, I was thinking about just like a, a a grassy, hilly field and a river, and like the idea of like, I don't know, thinking about the way the world looks from the water, where you're out on a boat and everything, the whole world changes because of your perspective and like what, you know, like things just look different fundamentally. And I was like, I want to make a game that looks like this emotional reaction I had. I want to make a game that is, 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 I think at the end of the day about a desire for a relationship with the land. I, think. I love and, that and, a yeah, lot. Yeah, and sort of in a lot of ways, a desire to, uh, it's escapist, I guess, but I think even more than that, it's like the the sort of the dream of what kind of world I c- can be still built. Cause I like that Wander a lot. Home, yeah, because Wanderhome is a world where, like, there's no money in Wanderhome. There is a king, but he is far away and lonely and irrelevant. Yeah, we, um, don't, we don't care about the king. Yeah, he doesn't matter. And there's this feeling in Wanderhome of like there was, and like it says in the rules, like there was once war here, but there is no longer. That Wanderhome is a place that was once defined through conflict, but is now finding a way to heal. Um, and the veteran playbook in the in the main in the main rule set is really the best example of that. Um, but it is very much like, you know, finding a way to heal. So good. I, God, once again, so good. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to keep saying that for the rest mm-hmm. of our time. Um, I, I really, really like and vibe very hard with the idea of creating a game based on a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that I myself am, am doing with um, stand-ins for the apocalypse. Like the entire point mm-hmm. of that game, the entire um, genesis of that game was I was listening to a band that I used to listen to a lot and I was feeling mm-hmm. the same way that it made me feel when I used to listen to them. And I was like, yeah. I should make a game about this feeling or inspired by this feeling. Um, 
Mm-hmm. There's you you get very very interesting things when you focus a game on a feeling um mm-hmm. and on having its mechanics do things that work towards that feeling. Um whether it's dice or tokens or whatever um mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be gained from approaching game design as feeling first. Yeah, and I think um I I very strongly believe that games say a lot about an author that every game someone writes says a lot about who they are as a person and their perspective and yes i think that you need to know that and you need to like acknowledge that like i think that if you if you say that's not true my games do not do that in any way your games do that you just are are in denial about it you know like you just you can't control it then um and so uh with i think with feelings it's very much like for me, a lot of my approach with games is that I experience something that I want to give form. I want to be able to say to someone else, I want you to feel what I felt, or even I want, I want to, I want to give you a, a, a path to feel what I felt. I want to invite you into this, this feeling I've had. I'm, op- I'm um, opening the door for you to this. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes very specific thought in my head. Here's the mm-hmm. door. Here's the path. Will you join me? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so Wander Home is very much the like, even beyond a feeling, I think it's, it's about a dream, right? Like there is the, it's, it's, I'm, I have in, I don't know. There's sort of a, a I, I want to imagine what a world can be like where things are better than this than the world we're in right now i don't know why um, you'd want to imagine that gee whiz literally who's to say um <laughs> but it's this yeah it's it's an impulse to i want to i want to imagine a world better than this one and i want to make a game that i don't think a game can make the world i don't think I'm, like i don't think my games can make the world a better place that directly or impactfully but I do think I can make a game that at the very least says, like, here's what I want. You know, I invite you to imagine this with me. That's beautiful. Um, that's beautiful, and Wander Home is beautiful. And I'm incredibly excited for the Kickstarter and to play this game further. I think that I think that is a fantastic spot to to stop and and I to so. and to move on mm-hmm. from here. Jay, thank you so 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 much for your time. Um there's one more little thing that we do on this show, but before we get to that, I want you to go ahead and just plug all your stuff one more time before we move on. Yeah. Uh follow me on Twitter. I am Jay Dragon. Uh you can also find me on itch at jdragsy.itch.io on my Twitter. There's also links to my Patreon, um, and uh, you can also uh, check out Wanderhome at tinyurl.com/wanderhomerpg. Excellent. Okay, so the last thing that we do on this show, um, you are familiar with the game for the Queen by Alex Roberts. Um, for those new to the show, it's a game where you flip over cards and answer prompts on them. Uh, for your character and as a table you tell a shared story about Mm -hmm. yourselves the kingdom that you're in and your relationship with your queen um the the wonderful um adam vass and will yopst uh did a little hack of this game um a while ago uh called for the game design and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna flip a card and i'm gonna replace the queen with the game design and i want you to answer that question ha I am gonna this one's 
a bit of a downer, but I am going to ask you. You can X card it. That's a mechanic in front of the Okay, cool. Then I'm going to X card it. I'll ask you that one later, actually. (laughs) Yeah. That one, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is like a, this is a little depressing of a hack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these, these questions are intense and I'd like to end on a light note. Um, The game design touched you once. What about the memory of that will stay with you forever? In... Uh, in 2014, I was at a Wayfinder camp and, uh, there was one game being run called a hollow egg hatches eyes, which was about, um, a sm- it was based on Mushishi and it was a small village, uh, sort of in deep connection with the spiritual world. Um, and, um, I remember, I wasn't even playing a character. I was playing a, um, I was, I was in charge of basically we built all these, the, the sets and props team built all these little uh, puppets and like little figurines of the spirits that were scattered throughout the woods. And what I did was I was in all black and I would move from little figurine to little figurine and operate them effectively. Um, And um, I remember um, I had, I was, I was, I was just kind of chilling. I was, I had like found a little like wooden horse, little like wooden abstract horse that I was kind of messing around with. And I was by a lake and uh, there was someone sitting on, on a bridge in on by the lake uh, who was, and he was telling a story and he was a ghost. So no one could see him. They could just hear the story and he was telling the story. And there were a couple of people who were gathered around listening to him and I was also listening to him and there was just, and like the, there was, uh, they'd set up speakers by the water. So there was this like kind of like wind chimes sound echoing across the lake. And there was this, the sense in the air that it was going to rain soon, but not yet. And we were all just sitting and listening to him. And I was like, Oh, this is what game design is. <laughs> oh God. I love that. That's very, very real and very, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you again for coming on. This has been an absolute, absolute delight. Um, Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. All right. And with, with that, I think we are going to end this. Thank you all and have a wonderful night. Hey, Nevin here. Real quick interjection. I completely forgot to ask Jay to plug their Kickstarter, yada, yada, yada. So here, have some info. You can find Jay's stuff at jdragski.itch.io and on Twitter and Patreon at jdragski. You can find Wanderhome, which comes to Kickstarter August 4th at tinyurl.com slash wanderhomerpg. So go check it out.